Okay, it's not dropping. And there it goes. Uh, delay, delay, delay. Uh, see if I can do the fucking getting kicked off. Well, whatever. It's good enough. Hi, everyone. My name is John Crump, and I am the Virginia State Director for Gun Owners of America, and I am an investigative journalist, and we are coming to you from a special time. We're not going live at 5 p.m. Eastern like we usually do. That's because I was traveling. That's why I couldn't be at Lobby Day today, and I really wish I could have been at Virginia's Lobby Day. But, uh, you know, family stuff has to come first. It is what it is. We are sponsored by Tusk. Tusk is the friendly cryptocurrency, the gun-friendly cryptocurrency. Uh, if you go to tusk.network, that is tusk.network. You can learn all about it. T-U-S-C dot network to learn all about it. The only gun-friendly cryptocurrency out on the market i have a patreon patreon.com slash john crump if you like what i do here and with that said we're gonna jump into it today i wanted to have someone on who knows a little bit about pro shooting because i am not a pro shooter and uh not a bad shooter but i'm not anywhere near like a pro level so i wanted to have someone who's a world champion on and this is who I'm having on today. Her name is Becky Yaki. Let me bring her in. What is up, Becky? Hey, John. How's it going? Not bad. Wrong one. Uh, you know, have you ever had one of those days where it's just everything's going wrong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I can say, don't be nervous. Just go with the flow. Yeah, I was just like, my camera... <laughs> Yeah, my camera's like not working. Then I realized that uh, I didn't have it hooked up into my feed. So, could be problematic. Uh, that that could be a big problem there. But we are now live and we are on on the road. So, first question: uh, When you sent me your phone number um, when we were setting up the podcast, I noticed you had a five seven one area code. Yes. Don't be giving out my phone number. No. Um, yeah. So I'm not giving out your phone number. We lived in Virginia for a while. Oh, really? Where? Uh, Stafford, Woodbridge area. Um, well, my husband was on active duty at several times, but uh, at that at that point that I got that phone, yeah, we're in Virginia. Uh, oh, okay. So you've done a Quantico. Ish. Quantico ish. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know all about the military life. Uh, my wife uh, was Air Force, and now she's public health. See Swamp Dog Armory out there in Nick Torres. All right, so let's get into you. I really wanted to touch on like what it takes to be a pro shooter and stuff. You are a professional shooter. You are not just a professional shooter. You are a champion-level professional shooter. Well, um, I guess I, like... I have a hard time using the the whole pro shooter uh, name, if you want to call it that title, um, because, you know, for most of the people who compete at a high level, whether that's pistol, rifle, shotgun, whatever discipline they compete in, most of those people have a real job. You know, there's there's very few that don't do something else besides shooting you know there's there's a couple big names out there like they get paid just to shoot but for the majority of people um what it means is you're doing other things and the, the shooting's kind of one of the really fun parts of of it but i do a lot of blogging and writing and content creation i manage channels i do catalog work um you know it's it's really rewarding to see the work that you do um and then it's, sometimes it's frustrating. Like it'd be nice to just go to competitions and focus on just shooting. Uh, usually I'm there with my one or more of my family members. So again, like to just focus on only the shooting, sometimes that happens. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Uh, so more often than not, it's, it's not just the, the shooting and the competing that is what's going on. It's all those things in the background. And, yeah. 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 
one of uh, my friends, uh, Di Mahler, uh, uh, was a Tulsa cop and shot professionally. Um, so yeah, I can un I can understand that. Yeah, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of people who compete who are you know they're retired um, and maybe they have a full time job otherwise. So you're gonna see you know when when people say I'm a pro shooter, you should really look at well if I I, I don't know like if you want to say it's a it's a great term it's not a great term I don't know um, because I think that truly for the most part everybody who competes has some other thing they do or did and it's not like you just have these people that all they do is go around and travel around and shoot there's very very few of those and even those even those generally have you know contractual obligations to go and teach and instruct and so people are really if they're a pro shooter they're actually doing a lot of marketing work and that's really what it comes down to yeah, I mean, I I see what you're saying, but I think it's a lot like uh, like professional jujitsu guys and pro uh, MMA people. Most of the people who are pro in MMA have day jobs. You have the people in the UFC, which might not, but even the people in the UFC, a lot of them have to teach to supplement their income. Right. So it it, it is it is that. How did you get into shooting? So I got into shooting because my dad, um, he gunsmithed for Krieger Barrels for 30 plus years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I started shooting high power and small bore. Um, when I was in high school, my sisters, my dad, my mom, my dad took us to a class, actually. Uh, it was a former instructor uh, for the Marine Corps high power team, Jim Owens. Um, and he's an awesome guy. <laughs> we got to take his class several times. So there's like, you know, the three blonde teenage girls sitting in there and, and we got to go shoot. And, you know, my dad, I would travel, like I was on the Whistler boy team for Camp Perry a couple times. And I did a lot of high power in the summer and then small bore in the, you know, school year when I was in high school. But my dad and I, when I would go to matches with him, he'd generally come home with work. You know, he'd have a gun or a barrel to fit or something to do. So it was a way to kind of, you know, it, in a way it's, kind of what we do now where you're you're doing something else in addition to the shooting it's not like you're just going shooting and having fun there's some goal tied to it whether that's yeah. like for my dad that was marketing his business right um and for us we're working with different brands and we're taking their products to events and we're sharing what we can do with those products and bringing home content that we can use and we can share with those brands so they can further tell people what their stuff does. That sounds cool though. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not the best shooting in the world. Like I'm, I'm not bad, uh, but I'm not uh, like, you know, like super like competition level shooter. I can teach better than I can, uh, I can shoot, I guess. So can everybody see you wrestling with that microphone like I can? Yeah. Okay, so you're competent. I mean, you are a pro level microphone wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I it 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 uh like one of the the things just uh uh came off, and and if I don't fix it, it will start rattling. Um, I I ordered another uh, shock shock mount, but it's not here yet. It was supposed to be here, but uh, it got lost in the mail apparently. I think there's a lot of that happening right now. So I have no idea where the hell it is. So I'm wrestling with a shock mount that's on its way out. But I'm thinking of just replacing the whole uh, the whole mic and getting a uh, pod mic instead, which I think it would be a little bit nicer. Awesome. So it's and plus it's my OCD. It's like not fixed, so it's like ah. <laughs> I, I have really bad OCD. Well, so then you would you would excel in some parts of shooting because you have to have a little bit of little bit of obsessive compulsive desire to make things just so. So that's a positive. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm a bad shooter. I'm I'm a pretty good shooter, but I'm not like on your level or people that you compete against. Uh, what comp? What do you do? You do three gun at all? Yes. So um, our family, if you don't know, 
it's myself and my husband, Mark, and then our three sons, Tim, Sean, and Andrew. And all five of us compete in three gun USPSA, IPSC, we shoot Bianchi pistol. Um, Tim, our oldest, he's 22. He and I have been to two, the last two rifle world shoots, um, the last three shotgun world shoots. And Tim has a slot for Thailand for pistol world shoot that was supposed to happen last year. <laughs> And it's hopefully pushed to this year. Um, but yeah, it's, we shoot just about everything. I'm doing a little bit more PRS last year and this year. PRS. But, what is PRS? Uh, precision rifle shooting. So long range rifle shooting. Yeah. Uh, a little bit behind the curtains here. Sometimes I, answer, I ask questions that I know the answer to. Because I know people out there might not. <laughs> yeah. Precision rifle. Uh that that's fun that's what i would that if, if i did any type of competition it would be precision rifle yeah you know it's it's a different discipline um for our family we started shooting you know my husband and i met in college on the rifle team so we both shot small bore air rifle he shot a little bit of high power but i shot more high power and small bore he did air rifle air pistol small bore um and then as our kids were younger. We didn't get to tons of competitions. It's kind of one of those, you know, the function of having small children. Uh, and then as they got older, we got into USPSA. And then we started shooting three-gun um, IPSC uh, Bianchi. And we we shot Bianchi, Bianchi pistol, uh, because it's a very accuracy-focused discipline. And we wanted to become not just good pistol shooters, but excellent pistol shooters. And it's it's really a great discipline to, for a new shooter as well, because there's four events. They have part-times. <laughs> it's super simple in that regard. I mean, you have to get into this like minutia of how to do it very well. So it can become something that, that like, like when we get close to Bianchi Cup, we spend all of our time just shooting pistol. Um, but then... So take that. And then when we go to three gun, you know, it's funny, Rob Leith one time we heard him say, he goes, three guns for people who can't shoot a pistol. And I, and we kind of laughed. We're like, well, people who shoot a pistol well are going to excel in three gun because if you just do everything, just maybe you're okay. Or, you know, you're better than average with all three, all three platforms, you're going to do fine. But if you are able to excel in all of them, then you're going to do very well. Uh, so that was kind of like our goal with doing the Bianchi pistol. Then we did some more, you know, shotgun only things. Um, we've done PCC uh, and the PRS was kind of, an, again, getting into a little more of like very precise long range rifle shooting and doing a little more focus there to help when you go back to shooting, you know, like if you're shooting a three gun match and you're bopping between, you know, rifle, pistol, shotgun, when you get to rifle and you have long range, you're going to have a little bit more skill in the discipline it takes to get, you know, first round hits on long range and all that. No, that's, that's cool. That's uh sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I used to shoot a gun, um, a rifle uh, called a Ritter and Stark. They were around for a couple of years. They're like precision rifles. But they went out of business. They were from Europe. Uh, they're very, very nice rifles. Very expensive, though. Um, but what I usually shoot now is... Uh, I, I don't really shoot any, anything more than the 300 Win Mag because I have to go to West Virginia to reach out to range on that. But, uh, I, but you know, it's a, three, it's a Remington 700 and it has a MDT chassis and stuff like that. So you're in Virginia, yeah? Yeah. So Northern you have to go Virginia. Out to Peacemaker somewhere to shoot long range? Uh, no, I go to a place called uh, Panther Arms. Uh, okay. Panther Training Center. It, it's not a private range. I mean, it's not a public range. It's a DOD range. Okay. Uh, so I go out there. It's like op they do a lot of uh, DOD training and stuff like that. It's a really cool place. Um. It's the only place where they're like, hey, you want to go roll cars and get out and shoot? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Not, roll not cars? many ranges are going to offer you that. Yeah, they actually have cars that will like flip, that are made to flip. They have like big roll cages around them. Oh, okay. So it's not just like super redneck, like take a tractor and tip a car over or something. No, no, this is a. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. Have you ever been through anything like of uh, uh, a fact training? No. Foreign affairs, counter threat training? Nope. Well, you know, they teach you how to like drive from uh, like the passenger seat of a car in case your driver gets taken out. Uh, and they teach you to do like J turns and to engage targets. Um, Driving. I, yeah. From a car. J turns I've got down. My dad, my dad taught us all how to, you know, do a turn that way. A little yeah. faster. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's fun. Uh, they have a, it's a really cool place. If you're ever out here, uh, our range that you can go, they have a 360 range. Okay. Where you go in and they have targets pop out 360 degrees around you. Nice. Uh, and they have a 6,000 foot, uh, a 6,000 square feet uh, shoot house. And then they have a thousand yard range, and then they have a range that's a little bit down the street that you can go out to a mile. Awesome. Except it's not really open to the public, so you kind of have to like know someone. Yeah. But you can like they have a combat village, which is kind of cool. Where you know if you know you you can work out through going through village like a village and like clearing buildings, different buildings and stuff. Uh, they have a, uh, they have a, they have little bird helicopters. So, you know, I, you know, you get you to can, shoot out of those. Yeah. You can shoot out of those. You can fast rope out of them. I haven't Very done fun. that. I haven't done that little bird stuff, but I've done a lot of the other stuff, but they're, they're really cool people out there. Yeah. Yeah. We, I got to shoot out of a helicopter one time. Um, um, what is it? Uh, down in Texas, there was a match, and they brought it in. Um, it was a ladies' match. It was a girl and a gun, um, and it was pretty. It was pretty cool to shoot steel with your rifle out of the helicopter. That must be awesome. Yeah, the uh, it was you know it was interesting. The guys in the back helping you, <laughs> they were so cautious because if you think about it, you can't send rounds. You know, <laughs> nothing up in the air. Like they were you know very strict on muzzle control. Uh, so it's, it's just, it was interesting, but a little, I think it would be a little overwhelming if you hadn't done much shooting. Uh, how much uh, adjustment did you have to do for the uh, downdraft from the rotors? Um, you know, I don't remember anything like that. I just remember that you had to hold behind instead of ahead. Like you'd think you'd hold ahead, right? But you were holding behind. Yeah. It makes sense yeah. for the physics. Yeah. For the bullets actually. Um, and then once you figured out what you're, what you're where you held off, it was pretty easy. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. There's people down in Texas that, uh, go hog hunting mm -hmm. out of helicopters. Yes. Which is kind of cool. I was supposed to go to Texas this coming weekend, but, uh, family stuff. So I can't go. Uh, my niece isn't doing too well. So we're going to stay oh, around I'm sorry the area. To hear that. Yeah. So I'm just staying around the area, but I was supposed to go down to the guys from the Gundy's were going to fly me down. To go uh, drive tanks and shoot howitzers and miniguns. That'd be awesome. Uh, but uh, drive tanks in Texas was going to have me down in the fall, in, in the spring, I guess, or summer, whatever. Whatever I can arrange it, then it's going to go down there. So it's going to be a little bit calmer for me instead of having to compete for time with all these big YouTubers. You know, just be me. <laughs> yeah. Friend, so. Well, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah. It does sound like a blast. What is, it? is there any place to for fixed stocks, PRS rifles, or anything? I have no. Do you know that? Is there any place for fixed stocks, PRS rifles, or any anything chassis only? Or is, or is everything chassis, chassis only? only? No, I mean, you can get Manners. Manners sells stocks. Those are just stocks. Um, you, Magpul's making stocks and chassis. Um, I, I, I think it's going to depend on what kind of rifle they're building. But Manners is one of the big names for stocks for PRS guns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what type of uh, what type of chassis system do you use, or do you use a stock? Um, so I have not had <laughs> my own PR. Like the the rifle I've shot for PRS, my son Tim won a surgeon at a match, gosh, four or five years ago now, and we've shot that. He's been kind enough to let us shoot it, uh, and then actually I'm getting ready to do. Oh, sorry. 
I'm getting ready to do the, uh, it was the Bushnell team sniper challenge, but it's the Vortex. This year's Vortex is the lead uh, title sponsor. And I'm getting ready to do that team match with a friend. So I bought an MPA rifle, Masterpiece Arms. Um, Those are really nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so I'm having a proof barrel put on that so that it's a little lighter because you have to lug all your stuff for three days. Um, And I'd like to carry as little weight as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to carry your food, your, uh, your food, your ammo, your rifle, your gear, your tent, if you're sleeping outside. So we're going to, we're going to do the, you know, the whole carry everything for three days. Yeah. How, how do you like the, uh, MPA rifles? Well, I have not shot it yet. <laughs> it's one of the, uh, you know, it was sent right to the gunsmith and then he was putting the proof barrel on it. So I'm going to get it any day here and do some work on low development so that I can take it and start practicing. Yeah, I mean, I've they, shot, I've shot some here and there when they have them at, you know, like say a side stage in a match or something. Um, yeah. Played around with some from some really nice people when I'm taking photographs or whatever it matches. They are in demand, to say the least. I think everything's in demand right now. Yeah, but but even before this happened, everything happened. They were in demand. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's something that I think people who might not be very into firearms or competition. They don't realize sometimes the lead time you need on things. Um, we were, I was working at SHOT Show several years ago and somebody came up to Krieger Barrel's booth and they were they were wondering, you know, hey, what's the lead time? You know, they, they didn't say what, I think they said the, the lead time, but they said, you know, I wanna get a, you know, a 5.56 barrel or 3.08 barrel. And uh, somebody said, oh, it's like four months. And this person was just kind of like, what? <laughs> and I, I really feel that people don't often understand that when you have a product that is good and there is a demand for it, there is a lead time. Even when there's not a crazy demand, like 8.2 million brand new firearms owners coming into yeah. firearms ownership in a year. Uh, so even normal times, there's a demand for good products. And we, I mean, and, and so when you consider that, you're like, we need more manufacturers. It'd be awesome to see more manufacturers of everything, right? Yeah, but like things like Krieger compared to like a, I would say Remington, but Remington. Uh, uh, You're saying like a, a yeah. OEM like, manufacturer. Like, like yeah. an OEM manufacturer. There, There is a difference. And I, th- I don't think there's a lot of people that realize the lead time when you go to like a Krieger or whatever, because... You know they're used to the OEM times, but what they don't understand is there is a massive difference in the product. Yeah, and and, and just in the manufacturing of it, the machining of it. You know, um, like for people who don't know anything about rifle barrels, there's cut rifle, and there's button rifling, and there's what else? I know I'm missing one, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, explain, there's a few out there, but explain what the difference between those are. Well, like button rifling is what? They kind of hammer the, hammer it down the, down this board out piece of steel, right? Yeah. They hammer the rifling in with Mm -hmm. a, a, well, I guess the button is the, you know, the device or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, And then cut rifling, they're going to take off, like, for example, Krieger's, they take off like a thousandth. Or maybe it's maybe it's finer than that. <laughs> I should I should know the numbers on this, but it's it's a very it's like a tenth of a sheet of paper, and they're taking off this single cut of metal. Oh yeah, cold hammer forge. Someone says um, they're taking off this this very small amount of metal at a time, and the reason that that yields such great results for accuracy is that steel's not a homogeneous hunk of metal, right? There's going to be think of it think of like cheese, right? So you got your cheddar cheese block. There might be, might be some that's like, yeah, it's a little more yellow in here, a little more, a little harder right here or there. Steel is kind of like that, right? So you want to source the best steel you can. And then you, when they're cutting it, the less stress they induce in the metal in the machining processes are going to leave the steel less reactive when you're actually going to shoot it. That'd be the simplest way to say it, I think. 
Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, analogy there. Yeah, there's a bunch of different uh, there uh, there's a bunch of di- a bunch of different methods. Some methods are more expensive than the others. They're slower than the to- others. Yeah. How are you dealing with the ammo for shortage? Um, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> uh, you know, earlier last year we were really hesitant. You're hesitant to practice. You're maybe going, I, do I trust all my neighbors? Do they know how much ammo I have or don't have? Um, no, I mean, we live out in the country, so we're, we're fortunate in that regard. But um, I, I think everybody's nervous about what's what's happening and what's going to happen. Um, I believe that the, the major manu- ammo manufacturers have come out and said that it will take to the fall of 2022 to catch up with the, the orders already in. Like as of, I mean, I heard this a couple weeks ago, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and who knows what's going to happen with the new administration, too. Yeah, so, yeah. I well, mean, I think a lot of people don't don't look at. I'm not going to do math in, <laughs> on the fly here, but so we have 8.2 million. That's the last time I heard like a solid yes, we know it's this number. So last year there were 8.2 million new firearms owners or first times firearms purchases. So if you look at that number, um, that is 5.8 times the size of our active military. Yeah. And you think about those people. Okay. So it's just 8.2 million. They buy 50 rounds of ammo. Just a box. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of ammo. And to catch up with that demand, you know, on top of that, uh, NSSF, I believe it was, just put out numbers on, you know, we have 52 million people that participate in shooting sports. So then you've got those people <laughs> who who have a demand, you know, they they might have some ammo, they might not have planned so well. Um, I think this definitely teaches us that it's a good thing to plan ahead, to have reloading components and all those sorts of things so that you can get through times like this without not getting to shoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually scratching my itch a little bit. I'm not shooting as much as I used to. I used to go shooting like three times a week. <laughs> I can't can't do that anymore. Um, by uh, there is a VR game called uh, a VR Gun Club, okay. and, and it's it's not it's not accurate shooting, but it but it's not it's accurate enough for me to scratch my itch a little bit. Yeah, the VR stuff. So <clears throat> my boys actually last year, year before they got a VR setup. And it was really interesting because they ha- I forget what this game was. Hey, what's the name of the game? The one with the room with all the VR guns. The one that I play. The one I played. Sorry, I'm hollering at them. <laughs> All right, they're not they don't know which game I played. But it was really cool because you walked up to this wall as if you were in an indoor range and you picked up guns and you learned how they how they worked like you were learning how to manipulate them. Um that sounds like VR Gun Club. And you were able to like drop uh throw throw grenades, um change magazines. So it was really funny like me figuring out the controls and then trying to um drop the mag out of this gun and then change mags i was able to like flick it whatever with the control where i'd flick it and get rid of the mag better than i could throw the grenade so they were laughing at me and then about five minutes into it i got really nauseous uh just it just threw my equilibrium off and i'm like i'm out no more yeah it sounds like the argon club uh where you're you're at a range you're not like actually fighting like people or anything like that you're like target shooting and stuff yeah, I don't I don't know that that was the name of it because there was a whole other side to it that they were that's why they wanted the game. But anyhow, it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, but that's what I've been doing lately. Uh, uh, but you know, you have to scratch the itch somehow. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people really are underestimating the that they can dry fire, um, and especially for the new people, somebody who just bought a gun and they you know they don't have a lot of experience with it. Um, it might be actually like a blessing in disguise that they could do some more dry fire and might need to do more dry fire. And then they're going to build up some of those basic skills of manipulating the firearms and how they, you know, 
a shotgun, you get some dummy rounds, you can learn a lot <laughs> with uh, just the basic function of your gun, how to load it and unload it and all that stuff with dummy rounds. Um, and the same with, you know, a pistol, rifle, you don't need ammo. You don't need to have snap caps or dummy rounds really to to understand a pistol and a rifle as much as a shotgun. Like so shotguns have so many differences, you know, like, is it a pump? Is it semi-auto? And, you know, is it a Benelli where you have to hit the button? Is it not, you know, all the little things that you have to do to manipulate a shotgun. I think there's a lot of more variety. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you make your Mantis X that you won is going out tomorrow. Just letting you know, uh, I had to go up to New York so I didn't get it out. But, uh, I, I use something from a company called uh, Mantis. It's called a Blackbeard for my AR. Okay. And it replaces uh, the bolt carrier group and the charging handle. And then a battery pack gets inserted into the mag weld. And it looks like a like a magazine. And it, I have seen these. Yeah, it's, it, it's awesome. Yes, they are. We have one for the pistol. Um, and we have some friends who were up last fall. They had one for the rifle. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what the Blackbeard does for the people out there, it resets the trigger and it shoots a little laser down the down, down the barrel. So you yeah, don't have to cool. Yeah. It's, you uh, it's, get the feedback, you know, that it's telling you um like the mantis for the pistol, you can see where were your sights when you broke the trigger, right? Yeah. And then where do your sights, what's the travel afterwards? So what happened when you pulled that trigger? Um, and that's information you can train yourself to see in a way, you know, when you're dry firing, you can watch your sights and see, okay, so if I'm going to practice my draw and present the gun, you know, put it on the target, dry fire one, you know, like the first shot, what do I see in my sights? Do they, you know, dip down because I pulled, you know, all those things that you can, you can look for, but you have to kind of know what you're looking for uh so for a new person something like the mantis is pretty cool to have that feedback yeah. information yeah and uh full full uh what like full transparency they are a sponsor so but i but they're a sponsor because i love their stuff yeah they make it's a good product yeah i reach i talk about them a lot so they're like hey you talk about us <laughs> why don't we sponsor you like i fine with me that's awesome so i give away mantis products every once in a while but the blackbeard is just yeah it's 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 incredible for an ar it's just awesome because there's no like when you're dry firing ar there's no you know trigger breaks you have to reset the you know yeah pull yeah. the charger <laughs> handle it just everything's automatic Not a lot of it <laughs> so yeah so it's everything's automatic and I think it gives you a little bit more of a uh, like a true feeling. Yeah. And then your and then the laser you can they have an app where you know you put it up so you can like it'll look at the target. It will show you on the app where you hit. So it's it's, a, it's really cool. They they make some really creative products, and right now their products are flying off the shelf because people can't get can't ammo. get ammo. So they're getting. I mean, we had products in the springtime, you know, spring and summer, where people couldn't even go to ranges. You know, they're especially in some of the more densely populated urban areas. People didn't have access even to ranges, so something like that to dry fire is definitely a good tool to have. Yeah, I still get cheaper than dirt emails, even though I uh, would never buy from cheaper than dirt, but. uh they sent out an email today and it was like a box of win 50, 50, 50 rounds of Winchester uh, FMJs. And I opened it up to see how much it is because it didn't have a price in the email. I was like, this is going to be expensive because it's cheaper than the dirt. It's like ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> That's like for a box of 50? 50. Yeah. But you know, wow. they're cheaper than dirt is. One of my sisters works at Cabela's and my younger brother was like, I need some nine mil. And so she went to look for him. And I don't know if he, she said it was $13 for what she found um, or 20, but I remember him going like, this is crazy. I could not imagine paying. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not cheaper than I got some dirt. That's a lot cheaper than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. Uh, 
I just wish that the prices would come back down so I can go to the range more. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe one of the major manufacturers put out some info a couple weeks ago about their prices going up by X percent. Um, but I think that's also due to the fact that raw materials aren't coming into the country the way they used to. Um, and who was, were you the one who said the thing about the lead? Like there's not even anybody, uh, what do we say? Refining? What do yeah. you want to say? Yeah. Like, where are we getting raw materials from? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not something that you really want to laugh about. Like you'd more cry about it. Yeah. Well, the thing is people think, you know, well, all these manufacturers are competing against each other, but with raw materials, they're competing against other industries as well. Right. Right. And, you know, I've heard a few, I've, you know, last week, um, like Winchester last week did all their new product launches and they did a lot of work, you know, to put all that together. It was really cool to see. Um, and it was such a uh, frust frustrating to watch the comments because people would just immediately jump on. And I mean, it's every brand that's, that's putting out ammo and anybody who posts about ammo and people just jump on there and they get all angry and why aren't people working? Just make more. And it's like, they don't realize where the raw materials do or do not come from and all of these things that are going on that are impeding the process or just the fact that there's so much demand that they could be running 24 seven, you know, they could be running day and night with all the, all the supplies possible coming in and the, the manufacturing capabilities, just the machining processes aren't going to produce <laughs> enough for this demand. Yeah. With, in a lot of ways, I look at it and like, it's really, it's, it's frightening because all of us go like, what's going to happen here? But it's also, uh, to me, I think it's good in a way because we just had 5.8 times the size of our active military American citizens go out and buy a gun because they feel that they're going to exercise their right to defend themselves and they want to be prepared. That is awesome. We should yeah. be happy about that. I know in the first 10 days of January, uh, we've beat last January total number of gun sales by 77%. I don't doubt it. And that's in 10 it. days. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just insane. Uh, it just, like, I, I have people calling me up who aren't gun people or never were gun people, and they're asking me, Hey, I need to get a gun. Where can I get a gun from? <laughs> like, good luck. Yeah. You know, we have some friends um, out on the West Coast in that very northern corner <laughs> uh, in Washington State. Um, and then some friends that were down in Oregon. And it was really interesting because they had people closer to the cities, you know, Seattle or Portland, who were freaking out because of all the rioting and the anarchy going on. And they're like, well, can I borrow a gun? And they were like, no, maybe you should have, you know, like it's illegal for me to do that. And uh, maybe this is why you need to be considering who you're voting for. So yeah. it, I, I think, I think the evidence is there in the numbers of people who've purchased a firearm in the last year that people are realizing why they have this right and why they need to exercise it. And not just when they're afraid, they need to be all the time prepared so that they're not left kind of high and dry and defenseless. Yeah, I, I was talking to a guy I used to know. Um, well, I say I used to know. I still know him. But he, I used to always argue with him because he was like anti-gun, so anti-gun. Why does anybody need a gun? Why does anybody need a gun? So I'm walking out of the range, and he's walking in, and he has a rifle case. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, you were anti-gun. I haven't talked to him in like months. He was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, what do you have there? He was, My AR. It's like, wait a minute. You were anti-gun. He's like, yeah, I know. It's like, it's like, did somebody put that GOA sticker on there? He's like, no. He's like, I don't remember. This like, is in the last year? The yeah. 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 So I'm, like, I'm like, what the hell? He's like, I've been meaning to call you and tell you that you were right. <laughs> Oh, I mean, and it's not like, 
I, I don't believe that the people who have always exercised their Second Amendment rights are um, are worried about their friends who might change their mind telling them they're right. I I just want them to be able to defend themselves, take care of their families, all that. Like, I don't care if somebody goes, yep, you were right. Or, or well, I don't agree. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just matters that they're exercising that freedom. I just thought it was kind of funny, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris Shoemake wants to know, what do you think about the uh, the new 6.8 round? I have not shot it yet. So I got to see a lot of cool stuff about it. And I'm sure you've seen all the Winchester, all their new product launches. Um, go to Browning, too, and look at their video because they did a neat one with the hunting. Um, it looks awesome. It's the ballistic coefficient is 0. 0.620. And that's the ballistic coefficient you get out of some of like the DTAC bullets, like the 115 grain six millimeter yeah. bullets. So it's kind of cool to see that ballistic coefficient. Um, I'll be excited when I finally get to shoot one. Yeah, I can't wait to shoot it. Uh, hopefully it doesn't go the way of like the Valkyrie. I, I still have, uh, I have a few Valkyrie rifles. Yeah. Yeah, I, I usually buy, like, really weird calibers as well. Like, uh, like calibers that you need to get, like, a special guy to make for you. <laughs> or old calibers, or, you know. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I like weird guns. Our middle son, our middle son, Sean, is kind of like that. Um, he, he has his Mosin Nagant. I mean, I think they... I think several of them have Mosins. Um, but uh, for his birthday, so his birthday is right after Christmas, and he always kind of gets hosed on, <laughs> on birthday presents. And every few years, we sort of try to make up for it. So this year, my husband's like, all right, I got him something really cool for his birthday. And he bought him this reproduction Civil War era revolver, like black powder revolver. And I was so focused on Christmas. I had taken a trip with my younger one right before Christmas to do some training out uh, in Washington. And then, you know, kind of getting things ready for the Chris Christmas and the family and then getting ready to go do some work with one of the brands. I was like, not really tracking. I'm like, all right, cool. You got him a black powder pistol. And then when he got it, I'm like, wait, it's a revolver? Like you load each of them? <laughs> and they looked at me like I was just pretending to be stupid. <laughs> And I, because I hadn't processed the idea, I'm like, that's so dangerous. Like, you have a ball and powder and six little cylinders. <laughs> like, yeah. it just doesn't seem as like as a mom, I'm looking at it like, uh, I don't know that I'm comfortable with this. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of people who are prohibited people, they will they will carry that because they're allowed to. Oh, because it's black powder. Yeah. I just think it's well. It's, so he timed it. It took him ten minutes to reload all the cylinders and put the percussion caps on. And you know, truly, as a mom, I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, if that goes wrong, I know that the powder's covered with the bullet or the patch or whatever they're putting in there. But I'm still just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Uh, Cartridges are so much better. <laughs> Modern modern firearms have something to them. Yeah, uh, that is definitely that that is definitely true. Um, a caliber, you can laugh at me. <laughs> yeah, a caliber that I I really like uh, is uh, not a caliber, a weird gun that I really like. I have a thirty caliber air gun. And what do you do with that? Uh. Honestly, nothing. <laughs> you can go deer hunting with it, though. I, I I got it for free a few years ago. How far are you going to shoot a deer with a thirty caliber air rifle? A lot of people, a lot of people can do it from. Uh, I mean, a lot of people shoot like a hundred yards, two hundred yards. They're they're really powerful. So, is it like a pump, or does it have a, a cylinder like? Oh no! It, it has like a freaking scuba tank. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you a picture. It's not like it's not like an air rifle like you think that you. Yeah, pump. that's what I'm thinking. Oh no, no, no! This no, this is uh, it's 
it's it's full on uh like you have like a like a big ass scuba tank or a small ass scuba tank thing um i don't want to i can't grab it or youtube i don't know youtube will kick us off if i touch a gun oh yeah yeah yeah. well i'll google it on my phone what's it called i'll show you i got it right here Yeah, crazy. So YouTube would kick you off if you showed a picture. Uh, no, I can show a picture. I just can't touch a gun. It like the gun here, right? If I touch it, uh, it will um, it will automatically think that uh, it needs to end this podcast. Yeah, it will automatically think that um, it will automatically take over as the lawyer for Twitter or whatever she was saying today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll find it. It's it's really cool, um though. It it's kind of uh kind of not the cheapest. The the thing about air guns that are when they're like, it's called a pre, it's a precharged pneumatic. I don't I don't know if you know what precharged pneumatic. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, That's the kind we shot fine work bows in college. So okay. You- You'd go into the tank and you'd fill up your cylinder and screw it onto the gun and shoot for a while till your seals went bad and you were at collegiate sectionals. Oh, that happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> your last oh. target. Oh, last wow. big match you're ever going to shoot in college, NCAA stuff, and you're like, oh, wow. All the words. All the words. Oh wow! Uh, uh, okay, here is a good picture. Okay. So have uh, you have you taken any deer with this pneumatic air gun? No, I'm not a deer hunter. Okay. Just because you don't get a chance to, or because Virginia has like Bambi-sized deer, uh, dog-sized deer. <laughs> I, I know I I I eat deer deer right. Uh, okay, uh, Bea Wolf says uh, keep up the good shooting. Um, let me show it here. Let me just share my screen. Ah, oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, that doesn't look like an air rifle. It's an air rifle. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, I guess the, apparently we should all be casting air rifle pellets for yeah. hunting, and we should all have one of these, and ammo shortage wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is the so it's a it's a day state uh, air rifle. They're expensive though. They're more expensive than like a thirty cal rifle. I believe it. And then uh, not only that, but the um, actual. Uh, Device the tank that you need to charge it because you fill it up, but like you you have this like scuba tank thing, right? You go and you have that filled up, and that's what you bring with you because you only get a couple shots out of it. You have a cylinder that you have to recharge your the cylinder that attaches to the gun needs to be charged every so many, and so yeah, like we used to carry those around when we would uh for for matches, you know, but like now, like if you had that on a plane, you gotta empty it, take the things off of it, just like if you fly with um paintball stuff if you wanted to go to say shoot a paintball match event <laughs> uh you'd yeah. have to take all your stuff apart yeah yeah one of the things that talking about flying one of the things that sucks being in the dc area i was supposed to go to texas in a couple of days but i'm not going but if i did i wouldn't be able to bring my gun not because i couldn't fly out there to texas but i couldn't fly back because of what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't fly into the DC area, right? With, area with a gun. I think that's t- it's it's uh, something that honestly people should be challenging. You know, uh, rights organizations should be challenging this because that this, might be happening. Right. It's a limit on people's freedom of travel. Not. I mean, it's not just your not just your Second Amendment rights and your rights to take your gun with you, which is legal and airlines all of policies. And you know, um, it's also limiting your freedom of travel. Then, so it's an impacting more than just your Second Amendment rights. Yeah, uh, 
I know someone who might be challenging it through a gun rights organization uh, because they are um, they are in California now, and they're supposed to fly back in a week. Hmm. And when is this supposed to end? Uh, did I say California? Why did I say California? Nevada. Not California, Nevada. I don't know why I said California. Uh, they haven't given a date when it ends. Right. So they can suspend your right to travel and exercise the Second Amendment, and we don't have to tell you when it stops. Kind of sounds like Wisconsin right now with their uh, emergency orders that have extended 10 months or something. Yeah. It's insanity. So... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Shoemake, uh, um, I was talking about uh, suppressors on air rifles aren't regulated to his knowledge. And you're right, they're not. But <laughs> here's the thing. A lot of them have to be, if they're compatible, because they, they actually had a suppressor that was on a 30 cal <sighs> air rifle, but it was detachable, which was a no-no. I was looking at the some uh, when I was foiling some stuff from ATF. I was reading about it. I don't know what company it was because that was all blacked out. But it was detachable and it was actually compatible with a thirty cal rifle. So yeah, that would be a no no, right? <laughs> that was a big no no. Yeah. <laughs> because but yeah, a lot of have them, but you got to be very careful. Yeah, it's you know it's really funny because all of our friends, international friends that we compete with. Um, in Britain, Great Britain, all the all the Brits are like, this is silly. We like, it's impolite to shoot and make noise. They all have suppressors. Like, why would you not do that? Why would you make it that you have to have some special special you know pile of paperwork and tax just to be polite and quiet and not disturb your neighbors or damage your hearing? It's ridiculous. But there's a lot of stupid people out there, like. There is a very anti-gun person that uh, that lives near lives near me. She's involved in the Moms Demand Action, so I, she was spouting some crap about suppressors and you know how we want suppressors to be legal. It's going to make it easier for for criminals because we're they're not going to be able to. You know, because I don't know, stupid crap. I think people don't really understand how they function and that there still is actually a significant sound. It's just not so much that it's going to damage your hearing if you don't have hearing protection. On. Well, I, I sent there an episode of Mythbusters where they actually talked about it, saying these aren't the weapons of, of, of assassins. They're whatever. Uh, and she's like, well, that's just pro-gun propaganda. I'm like, it's Mythbusters. It's like, what are you talking Crazy. About? It's like, uh, you know, it's like. Suspend the laws of logic. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was exactly that. And she's like, well, I talked to someone in the military and they said that it may, they used it on special ops missions so no one could hear them. I'm like. Who the hell did you talk to? Special people. <laughs> it's it's just it's like one thing. If if you talk to someone in the military who said they were special ops, and and they and they explain that a suppressor, you know, makes makes it so no one can hear them ever. There there's something wrong. Plus, they're probably running. Yeah, I don't know what military has, but it's, I don't know. Yeah, I was just so frustrated. I was just, whatever. Uh, it's the same person who argued with me and that he used the same source when I tried to tell him that uh, that an AR-15 is can't fire multiple rounds with a single trigger pull, um, that they're semi-automatic for the most part. And she was like, well, my friend who was special, who was a special forces says that they can. And then he was special forces. So he's like, like, like yeah. someone's There's lying to you. Somewhere. There's a disconnect there somewhere. Like someone's lying to you. So I just stopped talking at all. 
to to her. Because uh, she's like, you need a license to drive a car. Why wouldn't you need a license to drive a to have a gun? I'm like, because they don't mention cars in the Constitution. <laughs> and, and it was, uh, I, I just stopped talking to her. She was, she was an idiot. Um, it, it was an idiot. She reached out to me because she wanted to learn about our side on guns and, and, you know, and have a conversation about what a, so I was like, okay, I can do that. You know, your mom's demand action. Um, and I'm GOA. So let, let, let's have a conversation, listen to each other's concerns. But, you know, every time I, I was like, oh, okay, this is what I think. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Well, you said you wanted to learn. <laughs> I think you're not a gun expert. <laughs> All right. So when's your next competition? So the next competition I'm going to shoot is end of February. Um, it's the long range team match that I'm going to go to. And how long is the longest shot you're going to take? They don't tell you. <laughs> um, I believe that last year they might have gone out to like 1300 yards or so. Okay. Yeah. It's not bad. What caliber? So I'm shooting a six millimeter Creedmoor. Oh, nice. Nice. I like the Creedmoors. Uh, they're, uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good round. I, I was talking to, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh what is it? Brad Steer. He makes like a shy tack round. Okay. Uh, and he he's the one who hooked me up with a uh, Ritter and Stark, um, and they were developing a rifle that shot some type of uh, like specialized uh, like six point eight Shytac type round. But uh, Ritter and Stark went bankrupt. All right, uh, we've been on for about an hour, so we're gonna start wrapping it up here. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, just so we can talk about pro shooting. Final question. Is Keanu Reeves really a good shooter from the videos that you've seen of him? Is he a really good shooter from the videos? You know, I think because we've we know Taryn um, and we know that Keanu has been out there to work with him at the range there. Um, and if you've ever watched any of uh, Taryn's videos on like point shooting, the guy is crazy skilled at point shooting. Uh, it's insane to watch him shoot a plate rag. And then knowing that he worked with Keanu and, and trained him. I, I think that when you see those videos, you're like, yeah, he's, he's put in a little bit of work there. It's, it's pretty cool to see. Um, you know, in terms of movies <laughs> with shooters, uh, or, or shooting scenes where they've active actively trained or whatever, I would say those movies, the only other movie that I think is, well, like, uh, heat, that's like, the best movie with shooting in it ever. I don't. I don't think anything's going to top that movie, because they actually looked like they had skills applicable to the scenes they were shooting, to the firearms they were using. Um, and so I'd say the the uh, John Wick movies are probably the only other movies that. I mean, I'm sure there's military ones, <laughs> but I'm just saying from like the general, you know, Hollywood stuff you see. Uh, it's neat to see a movie where people are actually doing some work with somebody who might be able to give them some sort of skills uh, that are practical. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. You can find all my stuff at crumpy.com. I have Patreon, patreon.com slash John Crump. And check out Tusk. That's T-U-S-C dot network. And I'm going to give you the final word. So, you can plug whatever you want to plug. You can say whatever you want to say. Well, thank you guys for, thank you, John, for having me on here. And uh, to everyone watching, thanks. You can follow me. It's just like on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, Becky Yackley. Um, and our whole family is on there too. <laughs> uh, but I'd say everybody this year needs to be really active in talking with their representatives and uh, fighting to keep all of their Second and First Amendment rights protected exercise them all right well <laughs> that works hold on for one second
and I will be right back with you. I'm going to drop the outro, and then we will get out of here. I will be back on Wednesday. Wednesday, I have – I can't remember who I have on. But then Thursday, I have a Navy SEAL turned motivational speaker who wrote several books. So he's an average Navy SEAL because it seems like every Navy SEAL becomes a motivational speaker and write books. But it should be kind of cool. All right. All right, guys. I will see you tomorrow. I have a video dropping tomorrow um, on one of Trump's executive actions that uh, are basically targeting the ETF. I knew it was coming. I expected it last week, honestly, but I don't know why it took until this week. But whatever. I'm going to be right back.